straight up the price of admission growth stories life lessons turning points service to others truth no bullshit adding value no smoke and mirrors being the pressure third down and ten fighting below the surface win or learn always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder these are the things that i think about when i talk to this group they're still kindling that fire taken to the fleet and beyond living the values today through faith with the family and at the job obsessed with ownership and accountability winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity pedal to the metal paying the price of admission let's go Hey y'all, welcome to The Price of Admission with Tony Haber. Today we have a very special guest. This is Clint Bruce, a well-known Navy football team captain in 96. Clint's been advising company CEOs, big companies and small companies, as well as many high-level execs over the recent years. He's the founder of Carry the Load, a former NFL player and a forever Navy SEAL husband, father, And today he teaches us about synergizing the phases of the journey, the ball field, the battlefield, the boardroom, and most importantly, the breakfast table. His price of admission, the price is always paying. I haven't mentioned it yet on any episode, but please rate this podcast, leave a review if you will, bad or good, any feedback is good feedback. Now let's go. How complicated was it to to join this? I've never done it. Bro, honestly... I'm I'm at listen 2.085 Naval Academy. So let's be real honest about the intellectual <laughs> you're dealing with right now. It was simple, man. Good. It was well. Here we go. I just got in the worst place. Look at that. This is why officers don't do land nav right there. That's why. <laughs> That's you got to figure it out. I do eventually, man. That's that's like my singular athletic gift is I can just take a lot of pain and survive my own mistakes. Most of life is just attrition, right? Yeah, I was telling somebody the other day, like, hey, most of winning is lasting. So, you know, yeah. if I can make beating me up a cardio event for a lot of people, then, you know, I may win just because you get tired. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Let me see if my headset's working or not. Yeah, everything looks yeah. good over here. Well, re- relatively, relatively speaking, I'll take these things off. They're not going to work. Screw them. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I-, I love this thing that you're doing. I think it's. It's really cool. Um, you know, this. if you ever come to Dallas, man, I'd love for you to I, – I, I built this kind of facility in Dallas. It's just, my, my bride, who's my ring dance day, calls it the I don't know, Lost Boys. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, listen, she calls me Peter Pan. I said, like, what are you saying? She goes, you just refused to grow up. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, listen, she goes, if, if a 15-year-old is on their office waiting for their mom to come pick them up, it would look like your office because we have like a hostage rescue facility, a climbing wall, gym, shootout showers. But I, and I put an athletic trainer downstairs and then I built a podcast studio and a, a media studio. And one of the things I did, I said, man, here's the reality. Like you own your scars, your scars own you. And guys go, well, how do I know I own my scars? I'm like, if you talk about them, if you can talk about them, you own them. You can't talk about them. They own you. Right. So what you're doing here is in a lot of ways, replicating that decompression environment we had in the trainer room like hey listen we both are no we're, we're both brooke we're both hooked up to the stem machine here so let's just go ahead and not act perfect and and talk about it all so no it's doubt. really cool man and I, I love you're like this uh steward of the stories of the brotherhood i appreciate that comment i mean 
I have a pretty good group of inner circle guys. I started there. Yeah. Um, but my inner circle guys referenced uh, this special episode as, as Clint Bruce being one of the godfathers of Navy football. So that's for, for the listeners out there. That's who we got today. You got a little bit of his intro. Def- no, no horse heads, no horse heads in your, in your bed. I promise. Defensive captain, 96, 96, Aloha bowl champions. Um, MVP of that game. You spent some time in the Ravens and the Saints. Um, and, and what's confusing to me in my brain is how you went into that before you went into the Seals. So hopefully, I don't think anybody, about that. I don't think anybody wanted me, really, is what happened. I think it was like, you take him. No, you take him. <laughs> no, you take him. It's kind of so it, it's funny because a lot of people don't know that I was at the Ravens and I was like, well, I played the same position as Ray Lewis. He's pretty good. <laughs> I remember being at practice one day. I literally had this thought of practice one day. I was like, I was watching him do something. I was like, man, I've never seen anybody do that before in my life. And uh, I was kind of like, man, it might be easier to become a Navy SEAL than beat out Ray Lewis. And, so, and, so that's how that and, happened. So, and I did. And so it was. And, um, and, uh, um, and, then, and then, I, you know, in, in 99, you know, this is pre-9-11, the program at the time was go try for team, make your team serve and then revert to a reserve capacity, but you got to get your warfare and all this other stuff. Right. So, so that's what I did. I, I, I was fortunate enough to make the team and, and, um, but I, I mean, I was making the team and I was supposed to go to buds in February of 98 after I graduated. Mm-hmm. But I remember being at camp one day and I got a phone call from a couple of my buddies that had, uh, were already out there, already going through training. And they told me that this kind of ability had opened up for an earlier class. And I was like, man, and I, I, I went to uh, Marvin Lewis as the coordinator at the time, and Ozzy was a GM. And I went and told him, I said, man, I, you know, this is amazing. Thank you for the opportunity. Don't know how good I could be. Don't know, you know, my my potential in the NFL, but I'm here. And I, I, I don't know if I can make that. And I just kind of got to go where I don't know. Like, that's my nature, right? Go where you don't know. And I also never wanted to not serve. I mean, that was, that was part of my desire from the beginning. So, when the opportunity to kind of go through that crucible sooner, um, it's like you get the opportunity to start in the game you really wanted to play, right? And yeah. and, um, and listen, I, I came to grips very early, and this, this is nothing against the NFL, um, but we leave football very spoiled when you play at the service academy, in particular our, our brotherhood. Because um, in many ways, one of the things I love most about it is it's a continuation of all the best things about high school football, but at a level of intensity and competitiveness, right? So you're playing because you're playing. I mean, you know, this. There's dudes at the Naval Academy playing football who never thought about serving a day in their life. They just wanted to play Division One football. They I wanted to see if they could. They wanted to prove someone right or to prove someone wrong. So it is there is universal love of the game in our brotherhood that is that is evocative of the best of high school days. You know, in high school you're playing because you love the game, right? And so mm-hmm. we got to continue in that. My little brother is a spectacular athlete, by far the better athlete between he and I. And he played at Oklahoma State. And he doesn't talk about his time at Oklahoma State the way he says all the time. He goes, I envy the relationships you have with the guys you played with. And uh, this is how much better athlete my little brother is than I am. And anybody who knows him who's listening to this is going to agree with you. Our, our father passed away when I, when we were young. He was coming into high school, and I, I just graduated. And he played in my high school. 
played for the coaches that raised me and, and, and they knew my father and they just really cared for him. It was a very good system for her to grow up in as an athlete. And I would call and check on him and I'd be like, hey, how's Tanner doing? I'm like, he's doing great. I said, is he playing hard? They're like, yeah, he's playing hard. Is he training hard? Yeah, he's training hard. Are we the same kind of athlete? They're like, no. I'm like, was I big and strong and he's leaning fast? They're like, no. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, he's an athlete. Like, your brother's a legitimate athlete. You're just angry. And I was like, yeah, all right, man. <laughs> so, but, but you know, so, so, I mean, imagine suiting up every day with guys who love the game so much and, and, and play with a passion that they're willing to do stuff that had never occurred to them in order to do it. And, and, and the league's not like that, man. And, and the league doesn't represent itself to be that way. Um, so it's not being disingenuous or inauthentic. There's dudes playing in the league who don't love the game. They're playing for the money. And and I get it. I mean, I'm like, hey, man, you, you're able to elevate your family out of circumstances into different circumstances by playing this game that's easy for you. Yeah, I don't resent that at all. I, I appreciate it. And, and for me, that's a, there's an element of sacrifice there. The guys I know that are still playing, that don't, they stopped loving the game 10 years ago, but they're really, really good at it. And they love what it allows them to do for those they love most. And there's virtue in that. And there's, um, there's nothing, that's nothing to be marginalized or, or, or hated on. It's, it's, it's sacrificial in a way. And I, I, I just, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to measure myself against something that I had no idea whether I could do it or not. So then, you know, I left the league and I did not step into buds in any kind of, capacity to make well, you're basically a triathlete in buds so here i am i'm, I'm the least conditioned person on our first <laughs> conditioning run i was like we're running how far right and and uh, it was awful i remember i was so far behind in the first run i did at buds that the instructors were yelling at me because i was making them uh do a safety violation because i was so far behind the class they're like we we are we are compromising <laughs> our integrity as instructors right now, because we can't respond to anyone in your class because we're that far behind making sure your big ass doesn't die. You know? So it's tell me this, hard. like when you played, when you were Navy football, Primo, what was your weight around that time? You remember? Yeah, I played between 240 and 250. 240 and 250, inside linebacker. Like inside yeah. linebacker, my day was 220. Mid so you're 240, Midwest 250. Midwest Mike, man. It was, it was a Midwest Mike. That's back when – the LeVon Kirklands existed and, and you, you know, you, you got that, uh, Jerome on Midwest Mike and I never got below 240 going through buds. Goodness. That's it, what I was going to ask was like, how, how would you weigh when you ran? We're just run? a, we're just a big people in the Bruce family. I remember I, 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 I don't know this is true, but the instructors told me this. They told me I gained weight during hell week. And I was like, well, that must've been the water retention or something, but yeah. I, I would, I would come out of the chow hall and the instructors would make me hold the paddle above my head. And when my classmates would come up, I'd like, yum, yum, you look good. Yum, yum, you look good. Which is pretty – and they would say, Insta Bruce, are you eating your classmates? I'm like, that's hurtful. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but we're just a big people, man. I never got below 240 going through buds. And, and uh, you know, so it was just real interesting, man. And, and, and that should give great hope to the big guys that want to aspire to – Here's the secret to big man running. I tell people this all the time. There's very few secrets to like just true sustained high performance, man. There's truce, but there's not a lot of secrets. But here's the secret of big man running. The secret of big man running is this. Lean forward until you're about to fall over, then don't.
for however lean far forward. you got to go. It's like a controlled fall. Just just lean forward right at that tipping point and then just kind of stumble for however far you got to go. You don't look cool, but you make the times, right? And, uh, I like it. But I tell people, man, like, you know, one of the questions I, I, I get asked a lot is like, hey, what did you learn going through SEAL training? And, and the answer was nothing. What, what, I, what I did learn in SEAL training is what the people who loved me most that told me the things I didn't want to hear the most were telling me the truth. And, yeah. and, and I, I attribute success in SEAL training and my buddies, Marine Corps, I, I would say Phil Emery um, maintains a unique place in all of our heads and hearts as far as introducing us to our capacity to perform beyond what we thought we could do. Who was Phil Emery? He was a strength coach. He was a strength coach back when I was there. Gotcha. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we call him Satan and, um, it's terrifying. <laughs> that's was, that's a true more, mentor right there, man. I'm, I'm, I was more afraid of him than any of my buds instructors. And to this day, if Phil Emery walked up here right now, I'm like, Clint, go run one tenth. I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. I'd go out there and do them. And, like, and, uh, <laughs> so I, I felt extraordinarily advantaged going through the training I went through by how prepared, you know, playing football, the Naval Academy had made me. I mean, like, one of the things we learn very quickly is what they try to teach in BUDS. And BUDS, they break you down and they introduce you to the fact that you can't really do anything great on your own. Well, we learned that in the first off-season, if not the first season of our of our careers at the Naval Academy. We just know we need someone alongside us to do something uh, that significant. So so I walked into BUDS as, as physically maybe disadvantaged as I was from size and and cardio and, and all that other stuff, I was extraordinarily advantaged from the neck up perspective by, by what I'd learned from the brotherhood and what I've learned playing with each other, not being good and then being good and, and um, delayed gratification and, and, and all those things. And, you know, this brotherhood that, that everybody talks about, I mean, it, it predates all of us, but, but, the, but it was, you know, RB and Ben Fay and I, I hate naming names. Cause I'm always terrified. I'm going to, I'm going to, miss someone and, and everyone is worth noting, but there's just a few of us that said kind of this and no further in the class in front of us, Drew Thompson, Joe Speed, um, Garrett Smith. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at someone like a Ben Fay. I mean, all Ben Fay did was come off the bench in the fourth quarter and win games for us as yeah. a, as, as, as a captain, but not the starter. Right. And Ben Fay ran a, he had a 78 yard touchdown against Delaware and it took about a minute and 10 seconds. And they're on film, you see beef, and you see the offensive lineman waving him in. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> we're worried about him running out of bounds. Because, you know, when you get tired, you put your head up. You just kind of – we're like, he's going to run out of bounds. He's so out of the game. But all that no, did, look at God it. did – all that God did was he – just, he just came in and won games for us. You know, Hula Bowl, he's the hero of the Hula Bowl. I know of the Aloha Bowl. Um, but all those things, learning from our teammates, learning from our coaches – this weekend, I was up in Fayetteville. My daughter goes to the University of Arkansas, and Dick Bumpus was our defensive coordinator at the time. And I got to see him, and I got to be around him. And and I don't know if he believed me, but I I told him that he he and the other coaches got us more ready for the battlefield than they ever really knew when they were working with us on the ball field, right? And and, and so yeah. I'm, I'm I think we're extremely fortunate to have gone where we've gone and gone through what we've gone through. And the fact that you're There's memorializing a, this and you're, and you're distilling this is very special. 
Yep. The, there's a theme that you're talking about here. And I captured a quote from somebody I was listening to one time. I wrote it down. And I just we looked that thing up and it says, when human beings are under pressure, the brain falls back on the highest levels of training, yeah. knowledge, and belief. Yeah. You know, the SEAL teams get a lot of credit for the, the whole saying, like, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink the love of your training. It's not us. There's a Greek poet. I think his name is Aristoteles. He said, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your greatest experiences, right? Which is the, yeah. the attribution of that quote that we all revert back to that we use to, to justify training at an intensity. In a, in, and one of the things I, I, I was telling these guys just the other day, I want to I move a little bit. Um, you know, we all love training. And, and someone, this young guy asked me why I train so hard and why I always train so hard. I said, listen, training to, together and training collectively allows you to tap into this kind of living library of, of mass knowledge, right? And if you and I are fighting and I'm remembering and you're learning, I'm going to win because remembering is faster than learning, right? And I, I, I think we're so advantaged by the disadvantages that we experience as Navy football players because we knew already what the game was teaching other players. Like we all knew we needed each other and the game teaches you that you need each other. We all knew it wasn't about us. It was about, you know, the next man up and the game's teaching other athletes that, but we don't start the game without knowing that, or you just don't last. You don't last in our brotherhood. Right. So, and, and those lessons that we learned on the ball field proved true on the battlefield and now in the boardroom and, and on the map that matters most to me, which is the breakfast table. Right. Yep. No doubt. Um, so we got to Ravens Saints. I had a little intro going for you, and we jumped right in, in rabbit holding some awesome stuff. The so rest I of that was take, I forgot to take my ADHD before we got on this. So <laughs> who knows where this is going to go, man? It'll be entertaining. It's all good, and that's why it's going to be fun. There's this one time uh, so, I was a door gunner on the space shuttle. We're not even supposed to talk about that. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that. Let's go down yeah. that rabbit hole real quick. Don't um, tell anybody, but. You uh you run four companies now. One's TRG, one's Holdfast, one's Windy J, one's Carry the Load. I think a lot of people out there know Carry the Load for Memorial Day and 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 what the intention is behind that. And um, so so we remember what it is for, yeah. for what it is versus the the barbecues and the and all that. But um, what's what's TRG? So so TRG. I mean, I'll 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 tell you the whole story and answer the question in the process of doing that. Um, one of the, one of the questions I get asked a lot when I go around and speak to companies or teams or whatever, they go, Hey, what's your favorite gun? And I always go, are you asking me what my favorite gun is, what my favorite weapon is? And some young men will go, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, it's not. A gun is a tool. A weapon is what I use to win. So my favorite weapon is, and always has been the map. Cause if I have a map, I have everything. I know where the bad guy be. I know where I'll come in. I know what to bring and what to leave and when you, ha- and how to get home. And when you have a map, the worst you'll ever be is wrong, but you won't be lost. And wrong and lost are different animals. I've been both. I've been wrong and I've been lost. I hate them both. But I will take wrong over lost any day. Because if we're wrong, if we're lost, any move could be wrong. But if we're wrong, it's just a matter of realizing where we are, remembering where we said we'd go, availing ourselves to the wisdom and, and knowledge of those who've been where we say we want to go or, or, or there now and the camaraderie and companionship of those who want to get there as badly as we do. And for me, I've always kind of described my life as, as really just four maps, the ball field, the battlefield, the boardroom, and the breakfast table. 
and the ball field defined my life as an athlete, like it defines your life as an athlete. But, but now it means to be what it should mean to anybody else is, is it's the map I use to kind of guide and govern this, this, this desire to stay mentally and physically healthy and to be able to take care of those who've been entrusted to me. The battlefield was a literal place that you and I lived on, but now it means to be what it means to anybody else, which is protect those who've been entrusted to me morally, mentally, uh, spiritually, and physically. The boardroom is providing for those who've been entrusted to me. And the breakfast table is the most important, which is being part of a family that loves me and that matters to others. And, and I just kind of always thought that all of life is having X's on these maps worth going to and people worth going with. And there were seasons of our life where the, these maps were phased, but now they're concurrent and they're like overlapping. And, and like the breakfast table map is the base map and these other, the ball field, the battlefield and the, and the boardroom. These are the layers that we put on top of the map and, those places we're going, they have to be complimentary and supportive of each other. And when I left, you know, the ball field and the battlefield are brutal places, but they're extraordinarily generous in the feedback they give you. Um, I think guys like us and, and, and athletes, we want to put out effort and have return on effort pretty quickly, right? And, and so, you know, on, on, in football, we get a return on effort you know, every seven seconds, right? And every 25 seconds, we get another shot. And and so we self-assess for a series, and then we go to the sidelines, and our position coaches gives us feedback. And then at halftime, our coordinators give us feedback. And at the end of the game, the head coach, the fans, and the outcome give us feedback. And and then we don't have to wait that long to be re-immersed in that cycle of effort and feedback on effort. And and the, and the battlefield is, is, is the same. And when I left the ball from the battlefield and went into the boardroom, it is easily the most scared I've ever been because I'd never had to ping with effort and wait so long to have a response on effort. And the byproduct of that is you just feel lost. Right? And especially when you've been at the high ground, like, like we were fortunate enough to be on a, you know, being a division one athlete, you could represent that as being on the high ground on this ball field map. And then, and then being in the Marine Corps, being a special operations screen, this is the high ground of the battlefield and, also, you come to the boardroom, you don't know where the high ground is, how to get there, or, or what it even looks like. Uh, you know, the, the, the legend that guides the map is, is different. Like, you know, you don't know what the contour lines on. It's a very foreign environment. And what I realized pretty quickly is the way to get to the high ground is the same regardless of what map you're on. You find you follow the right people to the right places, and you become your version of what you love most about them. Um, you know, we, 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 we standardize that on the ball field and the battlefield. Like you're a freshman, you're chasing some senior. In the military, we're giving the senior enlisted and commanding officers. In the, in the boardroom, it was much harder to find someone who I wanted to be around and learn from. Because f- for me, profitability is not purpose. Profitability is purposeful. It, it, it lends to your purpose. But in and of itself, it's like s- scoring touchdowns but not winning the game, right? And so, sure. you know, when I left um, the military, and I loved doing what I was doing. I loved being a team guy. I, mean, I, I don't know if I was a good one, but I was around great ones, and I just try to keep up with them. You know, until my early 30s, I'd always had hyper clarity on where the X's were and, and how to get there and, and what my role was supposed to be. Then all of a sudden, I come to the boardroom, and some of the wealthiest people I know, I I, I didn't want to be anything like them, right? So the, 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 there wasn't – and there's – there were some really great people, but the immediate people I met, I was like, well, I don't want to be like that guy. Right. You know? And, um, and so I, I, you know, I got out and I went into wealth management, which is a, it's an important industry. I just sucked at it. I wouldn't, 
you know, I, I probably wasn't in the right place. And I, I don't know that I'm the right person. You know, I sit down with somebody and go, hey, can I manage your wealth? And they go, no. I'm like, well, I don't want to manage your stupid wealth anyway. I hate you and everything about you. Got some anger issues, right? <laughs> I'm also really yeah. honest. I hear you. I, was, I would sit down with someone and go, hey, can I manage your wealth? And they go, are you better than my person? I'm like, well, who's your person? They tell me like, no. Like, they're so good. Like, if they die, call me, but I'd stay with them. Um, <laughs> so I was going great, you know. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I remember in the in a, a low level, I benched myself and, and asked Aaron Rigby to go in because Aaron Rigby could do this incredible thing called defend the pass. And I, I was just blitzing. Like, if they aren't running, you're not blitzing me. I, I don't want to be the guy that comes. So, I, you know, I just wanted to win more than I wanted to be out there. And um, and so I'm pretty deferential to, to expertise because I want to win more than I want to look good because when you win, you look good anyway. And uh, yeah. so I was just doing something that I, I wasn't passionate about. I'm not talented enough to be good at anything absent passion, right? So there was a, a fuse on that one that was burning pretty quickly. And then – and then Katrina happened and, and some people in Dallas knew my background and asked me to go to Katrina, pull some people out. And, and and this is how, you know, you're married to an amazing woman. So my bride is my ring dance date. Um, you know, she had just had our second daughter. My second daughter was maybe three weeks old and I got a phone call about going into Katrina and pulling a bunch of people out. So I called her, I said, Hey babe, can I go down to New Orleans and rescue people? And she's like, are you so excited? So one, I think one, she's amazing. And two, I think it was acknowledgement that I was fairly useless in the first three weeks of my second, because I wasn't there for my first one. I came home to an eight month old daughter. So when daughter two would cry, I was like, how do you turn this off? Like, what do you do? Like, I don't, the other one doesn't do this. And she's like, well, when the other one was three weeks old, she did like, well, I I don't, I wasn't here. And uh, so I think she just wanted to get me out of the house. So I went to Katrina, pulled a bunch of people out and came back and it's like I was breathing oxygen again. It was, it was like, I remember who I was when I was about it. And out of that, I had an opportunity to start TRG, which is like a global security intelligence and rescue company. And then, and then, um, you know, I started to find ways to be around guys who, who, who inspired me and motivated me. I, I kind of have this theory of chase, pace and pull. You, you got to be chasing things that scare you a little bit and, and make you wonder if you can get there. And, and you got to ask yourself, hey, what, is life, what does life look like if I chase this thing, if I catch this thing that I'm chasing, right? And, um, and then Pacey's you got to run with people who, who, who mean what they say as much as you mean what you say. And, and that's scary a little bit. Like, yeah. I go to work. I'm better every day that I go to work with guys that are going to leave me behind if I don't do my part. And uh, I, I just True. need that kind of accountability and authenticity. And that's, that's what we had in our locker room. And then you got to be pulling someone behind you. Because if you don't, you're going to be doing this thing, whatever it is for longer than you want to or longer than you're good at it. And both of those things are a disservice. Both of those are a disservice to the thing, whatever the thing is, right? And so when I started TRG, I, I found my way to be around. I mean, I started with Stephen Holly, who's running carry the load right now. Um, another great athlete, um, you know, 2000 quarterback, amazing guy. Um, it's really bad though, because there was a moment when I started, we started TRG together when, when he got out and then, we started to carry the load together. So for me, these these businesses became a mechanism uh, to to surround me to with, with people we're chasing, people we're keeping pace with, with, and people that I wanted to pull behind me to be just better versions of what people thought I was. And so, you know, TRG was all obviously allowed me to kind of call that cross section that I that I spent time on the battlefield with. And the way I kind of described it is like, listen, the battlefield and the ball field teach you a lot that are relevant in the boardroom at the breakfast table. 
And what I love helping do is helping, you know, great leaders or families in their businesses protect, perform, compete, and recover. And protect obviously calls on those hard skills that, that we cultivated on the battlefield. And perform is really kind of from the neck up. And that's that those soft skills and those experiences and that mental resilience and toughness that you have to have or you're not going to make it very far. And then and then windage um, is that, that, that human performance piece that we came out of, right? And, and um, you know, carry the load was a, 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 a way for me to, A, say thank you. Um, to the men and women that we miss and to their families and then to check myself every year to make sure I was worth that sacrifice. And like, for me, the worst thing you could do is waste time. Those you love and miss no longer have. True. And so for me, carry load became a way to, 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 to one challenge myself to do that. And then to, and to keep myself in check by surrounding myself with, with, with guys like Stephen Holly, who, um, you know, live the same, life that I'd lived and, and, and better. And we just keep each other honest and make sure we're worth the time that we have. And so that's really what I get to do, man. I love to build businesses, allow veterans and athletes to transition more effectively from the ball field and battlefield into the boardroom so they could be at the breakfast table who they said they'd be when they said I do. Um, and so, you know, TRG is the protect, hold fastest, the performance. Windage is the compete and recover and, and carry the load is the, which Steven runs now. Um, is the remember piece. Gotcha. You've, you've got a, uh, a quote at the end of your signature on your, uh, in your emails. It says, make, make no little plans. They like magic to stir yeah. men's blood. What's that all about? So it was, uh, you know, my father died when I was younger and, uh, you know, it's amazing. You start listening to the people that were with you more when you don't have them anymore sometimes. Um, and, and you wish that you could recall their words, but my father had this paperweight on his desk that I always remember whenever I go see him at work. And, and on that paperweight, it said, um, make no small plans. You know, um, they like magic to stir men's soul. And it was the quote by Dennis Burnham. It was the guy who rebuilt Chicago after Chicago, Chicago burned down. And for me, it was, that was very much who he was. He was a make no small plans kind of man. And, and it's who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be around. And, and, and so for me, it's, you know, I put that in my signature, not so other people can see it. Well, I did. Um, that's a, well, <laughs> but I put it on there so I can remind yourself, so I can remind myself of it before I press send. So before I press send, Hey, is this a small plan? Is this worth the time that I've been given? Is, um, is this, is this response worth the, 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 the air I breathe to make this response? Right. So for me, it's a overt visual challenge that, ideally keeps me honest and a, and a steward of the time that I've, I've been allowed. Right. But that's the story of the quote. It's, it's the, it's the, uh, um, engineer that redesigned Chicago after Chicago burned down. And I've always loved that. I love that. And I've loved, and, and that and Jack London's credo were two very in, in, important things that, that, that I took from the time I had with my, with my dad. Gotcha. Uh, with that backstory, I feel really appreciative of our, time today for sure um well if you think about it everybody that's gone to the naval academy and played football is a make no small plans kind of man right and, sure. and in many ways i think the coaches that go there are make no small plans kind of coaches because you know what you're getting into yep. you're going to play a schedule that's on par with most difficult schedules and you're gonna you're gonna um 
you know, go to war with a bunch of Davids and, 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 and that's ambitious and, and audacious. And, and so again, that's why I tell people it was, it was pretty easy to leave the NFL, not, not because of what the NFL was, it was but for me, it was because of what it wasn't and it, and it wasn't. And I, I want to be careful when I say that, because there's amazing guys and passionate athletes and, and incredible men in those locker rooms that I was around. I mean, it, it was, it, 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 it really wasn't the quality of man. It was the uh, the audacity of the purpose, right? That, that's that's what I missed. Gotcha. I, uh, on the drive home, it's kind of like a last minute, let's pull it together type of deal. But on the drive home, I called a few folks that yeah. I'm close to. I was like, hey, I'm talking to Clint tonight. Is there anything you – what would you want to ask him? And um, one was from um, Jeff Lennar. And um, he, he wanted to ask, what are your differences or what kind of differences did you see between the military and civilian world? There's been a lot of conversation around that. Like there's no change. There yeah. are changes. Um, you know, what, what kind of changes did you see there with a the transition? Uh, what do people need to yeah. learn there? Well, I, 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 one, I, I will tell you that, you know, I, the military, I don't think has the monopoly on, servant leadership and courage and, and all these other things. I mean, the, the, those, those exist in the boardroom and in the private sector as well. What I, what I, what I will say is they're, they're not as dense. It's not as intensely found. So you have to look for it a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, I know lots of business leaders that almost lost everything because they weren't going to let anybody go during the, during the pandemic or the quarantine. And that, that to me speaks a lot of leaders eat last. And I, I saw that happen time and time again, for me, the most frustrating part of coming from the battlefield into the boardroom was I, I think I'd taken advantage. I, I think I just took for granted that if I looked to my left and my right until my early thirties, if I looked to my left and my right, I was surrounded by people who had openly declared, you know, s- others before self and a huge percentage of them lived that way. And, 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 and those men and women certainly exist in the private sector, but they're, they're, it's not a shovel-ready scenario. you got to find sure. them um, rather than on the ball field, the battlefield. There's like a self-declaration, right? And, and, and so the density of, of, of those kinds of people w- was harder to, to, to find. And so in a lot of ways, I just created it. Um, and, and, and then in the client base that we get to work with, man, I'm intentional about who we work with. I, I tell people we're going to win the war on veteran suicide with the power of daily wins and a good day's work. I define daily wins as adding value to the kind of person you want to be around and learn from with what you already know how to do as you leave the battlefield and come to the board. Have you heard and of, a good a, have you heard of Thomas Schumann and PB Abate yet? Yeah. yeah. Have, okay, good. Just making sure you knew who that was. Not as much. So I want to learn more. The second part of that is a good day's work is provide for yourself and your family by adding value to the kind of business leader you want to be around and learn from what you already know how to do as you leave the battlefield and come to the boardroom. So you can be at the breakfast table you said you'd be when you said I do. And I would tell you that there, there's no shortage of people I want to be around and learn from in the private sector. Um, But, but I will say you have to be intentional about finding them and you have to be intentional about offering a value proposition that, that, that gives you the, the ability to ask the dumb question, right? And um, the only reason why I bring that up, uh, I deploy with the guy. Great dude, great story. Um, he's done lots of podcasts. He started this um, nonprofit. Um, it's it's been fun to follow. I was actually involved with it for a while. 
Um, only reason why I bring that up because it's kind of close to the guy, and I think he's doing good things. So, well, since, since I want to learn more, man. I, I love, man. I crave inspiration. Like that's part. That's why I'm so intentional about curating a, a kind of a portfolio of people in my life that that um, that I'm chasing, trying to keep pace with, and pulling behind me, man. Because I, I I feed off of that. I, I feed off that. Pro- I'm a I need proximity to, to men and women of purpose to, to, to fire the stoke the engines of mine as well. But, but the answer to the question, the question was, um, the, the first part of the question was the, um, finding ways to be in the proximity of people with high purpose. And the second part was just the lack of sense of urgency, right? I mean, I was so used to being around people who had a tremendous sense of urgency and, and my bride's been really good for me on that. She's, I remember I came home one day, we all have this Starbucks story where we go there and we see people complaining about their coffee being this or coffee being that. And, you know, and, and we've just left these environments where like if it was coffee and it wasn't even hot, it didn't matter. It was coffee. Right. And, <laughs> and my wife looked at me and she goes, why, why would you begrudge someone from not having a perspective that nothing in their life would have given them? I, was like, mm. I said, you just gone from preaching a meddling woman. And then she said, what? And I was like, nothing. I love you. You're right. I'm sorry. And, uh, um, but yeah, that was the second part. The second part was, um, and that's probably part of the genesis of carry the load for me, building carry the load was I wanted to make sure the calculus for me was this, my, my friends thought you were dying for, and they didn't even know you and we don't miss them on the one day you're supposed to, even though you didn't know them, it makes them dying for you not make sense to me. And I needed to make sense to me. And man, I got humbled really quickly. Uh, just because I saw so many people coming out doing more than they had to for someone they didn't even know time and time again. And every carry load, it's been that way. You see some 62-year-old hedge fund manager, and he's humped for 18 hours for somebody he didn't even know just because he wanted to make sure that I know that he knows that my friend thought he was worth it and he's going to be worth it. And um, um, so, so a lot of times the lack of sense of urgency is the absence of the tyrant, you know, the evil at the door, which causes our sense of urgency in the first place. So, um, but those are the two things that, that, that I had to get acclimated to. And then in some ways still do, but, but they're incredible. I mean, you and I both know the truth. We don't, we know guys that have served in the military for 20 years and they haven't done as much as the friends we grew up with that's taught at a disadvantaged school for 20 years. And that, my, my, my friend who's taught in a, uh, in a rough school has done more for the nation and that buddy who's just you yeah. know, knows the Eagles going to leg an egg twice a month on the first and fifteenth. Um, so, you know, I'm not diminishing anybody's military service, but we all know there's folks that stay in the military because it's really hard to get fired. One year in hell is worth more than ten years in, I don't know, somewhere nicer than that, right? Yeah, you know, and, and so, but me, that those are the two things that I, I, I'd probably answer with. Uh, not probably. That's that's how I answered it. So, but. Awesome. Here's another one. You'll know this guy, Cameron Marshall. So I was able to grab his ear. Who? Cameron Marshall. So he was uh, episode yeah, number one. And uh, you know, and he's a fascinating guy, man, because you know he came out of the world that we were going into. Yeah. You know, great mentor and, for us. Uh, a very very special guy. Very special person. No doubt. I asked him like, hey, what would you ask him? Um, you know, who, what would you ask Clint Bruce tonight? And I said, and he said, um, you know, what was the defining aspect 
for you that made Navy football winning circle, like you're going to have the really bad years. You're going to have the good years. What does it take to make the good years? Is it the coaches circle, the player circle combo combination of the two? What was that for you? I want to, I want to understand your question. Um, so the, what was, so, what, so were the, what is that, what is that new? Yeah. What were the key gems what is, that made wow. you, your group a winner? It, was it the coaches? Yeah. yeah. Was it the what players? was that nucleus? Exactly. Um, what was the nucleus? I, here's what I would tell you. I would tell you one, it was this clearly understood and agreed upon purpose. Like, you know, we were, we were going to go to a bowl game. I mean, we just, when we were at Naps, we were like a bowl bound. That's what we're going to do. Right. So we had this, this, uh, massively agreed upon purpose. And then it, then, then it was the, this nucleus of players that are just, were just willing to put their words to work in every way possible. And then we were blessed. We were blessed with a, with a, with a staff that came in that wanted to win as bad as we did. And we're extremely creative. I mean, you know, listen, my, my coordinator for Paul Johnson, and Dick Bumpus was a defensive coordinator. How was Paul Johnson and, as a and, as a coordinator for you guys? Same, same, same. Yeah. I mean, he's just so we had two geniuses as coordinators, and then Gary Patterson was a safeties coach, ledger head coach at TCU. Phil Emery was our strength coach. He was the general manager of the Chicago Bears and player personnel Atlanta Falcons. I mean, we were we were deeply blessed with the the coaches we had that came along, and then and then you know the the the, the players we had. Um, in front of us. And, and so we, we were, you know, we had this hyper clear and agreed upon purpose. We had players that bought into it, um, that, that meant what they said when they said, I will dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then we had staff that, I mean, they knew, they knew enough to be dangerous. Right. I, I think, you know, they were, they didn't know what wasn't possible for a service Academy because they all just got there. And so, you know, ignorance, ignorance is bliss, we might have been one of the happiest teams in, in America because we just didn't know what we shouldn't be able to do. Yes, if. And then we had just an attitude. We just had an attitude, man. We had a chip on our shoulders, man. I, I'm playing with a guy in the NFL, and he's like, you're the meanest guy I ever played against. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And he's told me some things I did to him, which I don't remember doing those things. But I told him, I said, man, I wasn't mad at you. You, I didn't hate you. You are just in the way. Like, and, and, and so that's what being in the way felt like. There's a place we said we were going, and you had the audacity to show up in a different cover helmet and say no. And so that's what that felt. If it felt like, hey, I'm sorry, but you were in the way. <laughs> and um, and we had a, I, I had this, this amazing admiral. I don't want to say his name because I, it's, it's, I don't want to, Understood. I don't want him to have to justify it. But he told me one time, he goes, Clint, y'all were the Oakland Raiders of Navy football. Heck yeah. Like, Oakland Raiders of Navy awesome. football is a good compliment, brother. Like, that's awesome. Like, we were just fighting all the time. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, someone brought this up the other day. Where I, I guess, I, I don't remember saying this, but apparently on national TV, I said I was going to bite a guy's finger off and send it home to his mom. Nice. And uh, Yeah, try doing that today and uh, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's who we were. I mean, we had, we had just – we had a bunch of – blue collar guys that, that have, that have gone on to distinguish themselves in, in combat and service and post-service. I mean, True. you look at, you know, beef, you know, beef's the Commodore of NSW training. You look at RB. I mean, you look at what guys have gone on, Ben Fay. I mean, I mean, the, it was an extremely, um, generous season for us when it came to just the clarity of purpose, the people I got to play with and the, and the, and the coaches that came alongside us. 
No doubt. Last one. I wasn't able to get a hold of everybody on the way home, but uh, there's another one. Uh, Clint Sovey, the other, the other Clint. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, "We the same age? Are me and Sovey the same age?" <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I'm sorry, Clint. I love you, man. I just, I love, I love how these guys they call you grandpa and stuff like that. And I was like, "Yeah, I love Sovey, man." Ten years old. I call him the real Clint. He's the he's the real Clint. No doubt. He just finished up the Civil War or a Civil War Navy uh, Army Navy book, right? And yeah, there was a call out in there for your your Hammer Award. Oh yeah, how did the Hammer Award work? Why did it start? What was the story behind that? I've always been a fan of kind of like totems, of like symbols, because these things allow you to transcend the self, right? Like, yeah, that's what a totem does. A totem is this like tangible reminder of when I always I'm pretty deliberate about this. I tell people like. You, you always got to find ways to never forget why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. And you got to have faith and family and friends to remind you who you are and what you're about when the world's are to make you want to forget. And, and, and in some ways that, that, that could manifest itself in like a totem. And I remember, um, you know, busting concrete up when I was in high school and, and just the sledgehammer is only there for one reason. It's not a gentle tool. It's an ugly tool, but it gets the work done. And I remember me and Tommy Poulter, and I don't know if Ben Faye was with us. I think Keith Galloway, Sean Stevenson. We were in Home Depot for something. And I'd heard someone earlier, like, man, he just hammered that guy. And I was like, oh. So I grabbed this sledgehammer. And I was like, all right, here's what it is. The guy who makes the biggest hit carries it that week. And and uh, and I was intentional about it. Like, if no one earned it, no one – you didn't carry it that week, right? And so for right. me, it was a totem. Um, and, and it kind of like was a precursor to kind of all, you know, the, the turnover chain and, and these belts and all these other things have for us, that's what it was. And it was, I mean, there's the sledgehammer is not a dual purpose tool. I mean, it's there for one reason, uh, to wreck stuff. And, and so for me, that was just the identity I wanted us to have as I wanted to have as a player and I wanted us to have as a defense, like, man, I, I, I you know, I, I kind of had this thing, like. I felt like I was playing three people every snap. I'm playing you. I'm playing the guy who's playing me next week. And I'm playing you again next year. And every snap is a chance for me to make you hate the prospect of, of, of that, right? Yeah. And um, so I just took stuff personally, man, as a player. I, I was so offended that someone would think they wanted something more than us. And I took it personally. Uh, my wife said I took it irrationally personally. But – Hey, Midwest Mike, right? That's what we do. No doubt. Like a little water boy. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Mama's right. You're not right. Mama's right. <laughs> Mama's and, always uh, right. Mama's always right. What, um, um, go ahead. No, that was, uh, that was it, man. I, I love these questions. I, I love this, man. I, I love getting to know. I, I watched all y'all when you were playing. It was, it was one of the things I could always, you know, y'all's era, the, the the brotherhood that came after us, like for me, when, when I'm going from the, the battlefield of the boardroom and nothing makes sense but the brotherhood. And for me, turning on the TV or being at the game and watching y'all continue grow and, and enrich and enlarge this thing we, we call the brotherhood was like that was that was the Cardinal North. That was like, okay. You know, I can always go back there and remember who I said I'd be. I, I can always watch these guys who are better versions of, of what I was and what we are. And, and uh, so I have tremendous respect and affection and admiration, 
know, because your generation, man, let me tell you what, you knew what you were getting into after you graduated. And, and I don't think it would have changed our roster if we'd been in the same circumstances, but our roster didn't know that as a reality. And so I, I would always look at you guys who would come and play knowing full well what post-graduation was going to be like. And um, words failed to describe the, the respect, admiration, and affection I have because of that. And so, like, when you made this podcast, I was like, man, because I know who y'all are more than I know you. And so for me, it's a real pleasure to get to know who y'all are. Uh, know you, not just who you are. Awesome. So these podcasts, these stories, like your generation, when y'all get on and talk to each other, and I draw these equivalencies, like, oh man, he reminds me of so and so, and he reminds me of so and so. So it is like this thread that's knitting our brotherhood closer and closer together. I hope so. That was the intent and, and the reason why I started it from the beginning, and so far things are going oh, good. Bz, tell your squad here. No, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, mentor, who's your... now, I feel like I should. I feel like I should make fun of myself for just saying that just now. BZ Terry Squad Leader. So, <laughs> well, go for next it. question. Okay, next question. All right. Uh, best mentor. Who's your favorite mentor? We'd love to know who that was Man, of all I, time. I, that's you know that that's the that's the hardest question to answer sure. um, because I have so many of them. Man, I do I do not deny myself someone worth chasing. Like I find these, you know, if, if, if my life is defined by this hundred percent. I'll find someone who's doing this three to 5% the way I want to do it. And I'll chase him. Right. So for, for me, my faith, you know, Christ is the ultimate example. He's also impossible to replicate. Yep. So you're chasing this thing. You're never going to catch, but the chase is, 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 is what blesses you and benefits you and others. Right. It's funny um, because but man, it, everyone's like, it doesn't matter about like where you want to go, who you want to be. It's, it's always about the chase. Oh, yeah. And, and that chase, yeah, your you chase know, is the right chase, so, for sure. I was, I was telling someone the other day, like, hey, there's no X on a map that you get to and everything's great. There's X's worth going to and people worth going with, and you bounce around towards Jesus till you meet him. And once you realize that, that all these X's are just pencil, they're pencil X's, man. And you're not going to have, the, you know, this car, this house, this spouse where you're like, I'm here, right? Um, I, I think there's, at least I'm not. And there's just, uh, the way I kind of say it, there's, there's a couple kind of people in the world and none of them are bad, but there's people that, that get restless when others are resting and there's people that reload when others relax. And I've, I have, I've always found myself the best version of myself when I'm in the company of the restless and those who reload. Um, restless and reload. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you got to be chasing some there's time on the clock. You're accountable for that time. So pick something hard and go. Yeah. Awesome. So if I refine the question down to like, instead of your favorite mentor, if you took it down to like your best, like when you turn the needle, when something where you like my huge realization happened and this person was my mentor, would there, is there something that stands out in your mind? Yeah, one? man, I, I, I would tell you Phil Emery. Phil Emery is one of them. Uh, you know, our strength coach time, who's, who's big about a, there are, there are limits, but you're not at it yet. You don't know where they really are, so go. You know, Tommy Ray is my linebacker coach. Richard Bell is my linebacker coach before him. Coach Bumpus, I was just with him this weekend. I mean, these are all men who um, put an X on my map further than I thought I could go. Um, Got it. Man, there's business leaders. Uh, I'd say there's there's guys like, you know, Doug Petno at, at, at J.P. Morgan Chase, who's just been an influence, Rob Holmes, 
who's another great business leader, Andy Sig, Steve St. Rich Plute. I mean, I'm deliberate about finding people that are worth being around and learning from and chasing them. You're, uh, you're naming too many people. I just know, want to know one. No, I, I, it's impossible. impossible. I, I, I don't know how to give you that one, man. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I still chase Drew Thompson, man. I watch how intentional Drew Thompson is. As a, he was captain the, the year before uh, Ben and I were, and watching him as awesome. a dad, he's just one of the most intentional men I've ever been around. And, and Ben Faye, man, I've always, yeah, man, that's a, that's an, a, I'm, I'm the wealthiest man in the world because that's an impossible question to answer. Yeah, when you have, because I do not deny my, I do not deny myself, an abundance of people we're chasing. When you have a whole bunch of really good relationships, it's hard to pick out just one. But and I chase younger guys too, I man. I look at you know y- y'all were inspirational to me. I mean, I, I was I was remembering what I like to know that much about yourself when y'all knew about yourselves on the football field, man. So again, like it's a it's a thick roster of of people I'm chasing. Gotcha. Uh, what's so? What's your biggest pain point today? What's your biggest opportunity? What's your biggest you know obstacle? going on man you know for for me you know i really got two things you know i I believe you know there's a lot of what's and if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing the what's will take you down so you got to know why you're doing what you're doing on these maps that matter most and the way i kind of articulate that is you know i have a high why and a big why and your high why is what they say about you when you're gone it's like the the stats on death are really convincing. You know, one-on-one, we're all going to go, and they're going to say something about us when it happens. And our big why is why do we use our time, our treasure, and our talent, the way they use our time, our treasure, and our talent. And my high why, I've talked about them a little bit today. I've got these three amazing daughters, Maddie Grace, Lily Claire, and Sutton Rose, and all I want to be is the kind of guy my girls want to marry one day. Yeah. That's just it. I just want to be a man worth my girls. <clears throat> who I am, what I do, who I do it for. If my girls come home with a man like me, I better be okay with it because that's what I showed them. Yep. And then my big why is I I want to I want to um I want to win the war on veteran suicide, and I, I don't want to help guys come all the way home. Um, you know, great teammate of yours, friend of mine, Matt Brewer. You know, I, I sit there and wonder, like, man, what, what what could we have, what could I have done? When I when I say I, it's not that I'm singularly owning the responsibility of, of, of losing Matt. I'm just saying that's what I can do something about is what I could have done. Right. And yeah. so it's a, Michael, man, what, what can we do to, to, to help singular purpose, hyper-focused guys like him find the high ground in the boardroom and, and at the breakfast table. So that's the challenge is building lead companies, allow veterans and athletes to come all the way home. And the well, for me, there's a difference between being here and being home. Here is geography. Home is knowing why you're here. Uh, home is harder. That's why so many of us can feel at home over there, you know, because our people and our passion and our purpose are, are on that X, on that ridge line. And then, and then, you know, so for me, home is, is knowing why you're here. And uh, that's a harder question to answer, um, especially for those of us who have lost friends and friends that, frankly, you know, we thought were better than us, right? And so I just choose to, try to slay that dragon with 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 professional purpose on a daily basis right so that's 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 the uh that's that's the dragon right now man for sure you know i definitely need to link you and tom together with uh, that pv Abate thing there's a lot of good things going on there i'd love it will do he uh he had a con or a, a podcast with jocko the other maybe a, two months ago 
And Jocko's an intense cat, man. Let me tell you what, when Jocko, Jocko puts his, he grabbed me one time, and I was like, I flashed back to that Beowulf. So there's a scene in Beowulf where Beowulf grabs Grendel, and Grendel's like, huh, this is different. Like, it just knows. I was like, Jocko grabbed me. I was like, oh, dude, this, this is going to suck, right? And uh, he's an intense cat, man. He's done some good stuff. No doubt. You're, uh, you're, you're too wise. Um, in summary, what do people say when you go to, am I, am I going to be the man that I want my daughters to be with, right? Be around. Hey, he was the kind of man his girls wanted to marry one day and he did what he could do to help warriors come all the way home. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a tough man because you had, you know, your daughter's knocking folks out on the hockey floor. So, Hey, let me tell you what, man, they, uh, (laughs) my bride's (laughs) mad at me because I moved this like 500 pound tire in my driveway and. I was telling boys like you, you got to flip that tire for you ring that doorbell, <laughs> and uh, you know, like it's it like it's like kumite, and uh, you know, but I, you know, my deal is like the best way you can protect your your daughters is by setting a standard and 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 loving their wife the way you want them to be loved by someone. And I mean, I do all that imperfectly, um, but I've never not known where I was going. Right, and there's something to be said for clarity of purpose and clarity of purpose allows you to endure uh, a lot adversity and then the toll of your own mistakes. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's the goal. That's, you know, you know, one of the things I, I say is I say, you know, the, the difference between being an excellent lead is are you done or you're not done yet. And for me, re- re- reloading instead of relaxing is what you do when you're not done yet. Staying restless when others are resting. That's what you do when you're not done yet. So when they, you know, whenever I go all the way home to glory, I, I did a podcast with Kerry Lowe the other day and Todd Boating asked me, because if you gave your own eulogy, what would it be? And I said, I'd look at the casket and I'd look at the crowd and I go, done. Awesome. Awesome. This is, I hope that's, I hope that's not soon. I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm still like, I got some more work to do, but listen, Understood. we're invincible, but God wants us home. That's the vision, right? You know, yeah. it'll be there one day, but not today. Hopefully not tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow's going to be a relates to our, Yeah. And, and as it relates to our brotherhood, man, I always, I always, always wanted to play in such a way that young men were proud to want to come and try to be their version of, of what I was and what you were and, and all these other things. And I always want to play in such a way that someone who worked for me could turn on the game and see fourth quarter win or lose. And like, okay, I know what that guy's about. Right. And, yeah. um, I, I want, I want to do most things like that. Awesome. Uh, Cause that's worth you. That's worth our brotherhood. I mean, we've got a standard to, to keep and, and to hold each other to way past our ball about ball field days. Yep. It's a, uh, it's culture. It's a culture that not a lot of folks are ready yeah. for, uh, but hopefully they'll yeah. embrace it at some point. And we just got to keep on, keep on grinding relentlessly and uh, reloading, right? So, yeah. And if they don't, doesn't doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're not us. True. True. Um, so I guess last question. Uh, what'd you? Well, two more questions. What'd you learn today? I Man, I learned that you're era knows bigger words than my era like you've used some words i haven't noticed you've seen this but 
I was down here typing away, like, what, is, what does that word mean? Like, how do I answer that correctly? Yeah. Um, what, 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 I've, what, I've, man, what I've learned today is what I'd hoped to be true and kind of known to be true was the sincerity, intensity, and, and intentionalism of, of, you know, your generation of brotherhood. And then the other, I love these questions, man, because questions tell me what's important to, to, to guys I respect a lot. So I love hearing the questions that are, you know, my younger brothers like you have asked. And, um, you know, the brotherhood's a state of mind. Like you, you, you know, you take that gold helmet off, but it's, it's in your heart for the rest of your life if you do it right. True. True. Uh, what's your price of admission? the uh, creator of price of admission and from a terminology standpoint, what's yours? Man, to, to just be willing to hurt as much as you ask anybody else to and more like, that's just the price of, I've always wanted to be willing to pay is like, Hey, I, I, anything, anything that I'm asking you to do that's going to hurt. Just know that I've, I'm, I'm willing to hurt that plus in order to get us where we both said we want to go. I mean, the price is always pain. And it's either physical pain, financial pain, uh, I put the pain of loneliness. But if you're not willing to pay that that pain toll, you're not going to get the X's that are worth going to and being at, right? And um, so, so always having that willingness to pay that pain toll. The pain toll. Enough said. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, Clint Bruce, everybody, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. You get running four companies. You're at your daughter's hockey practice tonight, sneaking out to the car to get some time with me. So I appreciate that. Man, th but thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. I mean, like you are, you are, you're knitting this. You're using 550 cord to knit this quilt of brotherhood that we have. Uh, and for the listeners that don't know what 550 cord is, it's amazing. You do anything with it. <laughs> Very strong. Nice. Well, um, tell your wife and the family I said hello tonight. And thanks again. I will, man. I appreciate you, brother. Let me know what I can do for you. And long live the brotherhood. You got it. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, man. Out of here. Bye.